we are in the month of November. There are four teams left in each conference. Sorry, minus the AUS. There are <laughs> four, 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 and three. Uh, four, 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 and three. Yeah, I got that math right. We're mathing it on a Wednesday evening. Uh, but what I'm really leading up to, Connor, is it's the playoffs. The hunt for the Vanier Cup is now on. All across the nation. All across the nation. We got the Loney, the Hardy, Yates Semis. Man. Dunsmore. Dunsmore. Everyone's getting into it. Whew. <laughs> there are some big gambling lines, which we will get to later in the episode. Uh, but we're going to talk a bit about the matchups first. There's also CFL playoffs, which we know Connor cannot discuss. But Connor, as a fan, what is one thing that you're absolutely looking forward to the most this Grey Cup playoffs? Oh, dude, I don't know. There's so much going on. Uh I mean, is the is the obvious? Is it too obvious? Like the return of Nathan Rourke. Like, how how is that guy going to do in his first playoff appearance? I, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I, I think that's a big one. I'm with you. Like, he's not only coming off a huge injury that kept him out of three, like two thirds of the season. Yeah, it's also his first ever playoff action, right? So yeah, is the moment too big, or is Kid Canada too big for the moment? I guess we'll see. But like, how? Like that would live in CFL legend forever. <laughs> Nathan Roy breaks his foot midway through the season, comes back and goes on a Grey Cup run. Like that would live not, in CFL lore. Not forever. just a Grey Cup run, but to get there, he would have to dethrone the back-to-back Grey Cup champions who are looking to three-peat. To and me, that would be the biggest. Incredible. That's your Grey Cup right there. Is if they make yeah. it to the West Finals. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, like. Even even in the East, like I joked with you, like, is it too early to say that Trevor Harris is going to end the tie cats like he usually does? I know they got him last uh, last year with uh, the great uh, East fine or East semi, I guess. Yeah, but <laughs> that I always fear for Trevor Harris whenever he matches up against the tie cats in the playoffs. Remember what he did when he was in Ottawa? He had that like perfect game essentially. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Trevor Harris is just like the benchmark. Of efficiency and like, yeah, I know he only throws like five yard passes, but still, the guy has like five yard, no, 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 five yard pass or a thirty yard rail shot to Gino Lewis. <laughs> I mean, hey, I think you or I could complete a thirty yard rail shot to Gino. That guy is insane. <laughs> Speaking of Gino, I want to stay on uh, receivers for a second here because just I, I just think this is really exciting. In both categories, MOP, we have Caleros and Gino. Gino mm-hmm. is up for MOP. I yeah. absolutely love that. And then most outstanding Canadian, we've got Nathan Rourke and Curly Gittins Jr. I love that. Not to mention that the rookie of the year spot, both conferences representing with a receiver, uh, Phil Pot in Montreal and Schoen in Winnipeg. So we've got tons of receivers, Connor, up for awards this year. No disrespect to Phil Pot, but I think Schoen's running away with that. I mean, he was like the league leader in touchdowns and yards. I don't really think it's a, <laughs> a debate rookie, for an yeah, award. No. <laughs> I was, I mean, if Caleros wasn't on his team, I, I would have said that he had a shot to be MOP as well. But yeah. 
no. Calaris just kind of plays a different level than everyone else. It, it's an exciting time in Canadian football right now. Not just like pro-Canadian football, but Canadian football across the board, man. I, it's, it's November. Playoffs are heating up. I couldn't oh, be more excited. And in two weeks, Connor will be findable at the Grey Cup Festival. I don't know if I'll be findable. I might be hunkered down in a, in a room somewhere. Just crouching Someone will laptop. spot you. Someone will spot you. Don't worry. We'll get I to mean, it. Maybe I'll bring some of that leftover Halloween candy from the absolute zero trick-or-treaters that my my house got. And, hey, if you find me, I'll throw a candy bar at you or something. You want to see how much we have left? You said you got a pile. I couldn't believe it. Okay, so we had two fortune cookies as backups. We have one pack of Swedish fish. You were giving out fortune cookies? And No, we didn't. We didn't. That okay, was the okay. That's and we good, have good way seven, to get egged. seven more things of rockets. That's it. Mind you, I have snacked a little bit. Okay. <clears throat> so wait, wait after I got home from school. But we had 198 kids. There was two kids that were going to be here from like people we knew, but they were sick. So that would have put us to the 200 marker. For, for everybody out there that is not familiar with Eastern Ontario geography, I live in downtown Kingston. I got four <laughs> trick-or-treaters. Wade lives like east of Kingston near like Gann area. You got I'm 190. A little, I'm in a little like countryside town. I don't even think that there's 190 kids like that live in the town. It's just a bunch of old people. <laughs> but we had him. We had them all. Um, all right, let's get Neither down cool to betting odds on that next year. Jeez, over Louis. under. You know what? I'll I'll set them this this upcoming uh, fall. You know we're gonna go over under uh, two twenty because it was kind of rainy to start the night. Dude, the Maybe first kid that came people. to my door, I literally just like reached my paw in there and like gave him a handful of candy. I was like, you were the first person to come to the door. I'd give you the bowl, but I need to save it for like the other two kids who might show up. Yeah, we uh, we started getting worried about running out of candy, and then all of a sudden, eight o'clock hit, and it was just dead. Oh, I've got way too much. If you need some, come on by. So we it worked out for me because I was able to flip over to Monday Night Football. Boom! There we go. Monday Night Football dressed up as Thursday Night Football for Halloween. That was a terrible game. Thursday night football is just up as Monday night football as well. Uh, Connor, U sports time though. Let's do it. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start. Let's start in the U.S. because yeah. when we look at the playoffs, it's X. They have the bye, so Bishops and Mount A are playing. Bishops, this is Bishops' year to make a statement, right? They were close last year. They add Baron Miles. The defense has played phenomenal. The offense is slowly piecing together. And it's just going to come down to when they face X, can they hold that juggernaut of an offense intact? Uh, I, yeah, you're right. Everything you said is right. This feels like it should be a Bishop's year to at least get to the Loney Bowl, right? But I don't think. I think X is just too powerful, too good, top to bottom. They've got playmakers on every single side of the ball, all phases of the game. It doesn't matter from their kicker to their defensive lineman, to their quarterback, to their running back, Malcolm Bussey. They've got dogs. It's, it's literally that meme video, Malcolm Bussey, dog, Alex Fetchin, dog. Silas Silas Fagnon, Fagnon, dog. dog. <laughs> I didn't even know he could play running back. Connor Ross, dog. fullback love, dog. <laughs> didn't even know he could play running back, dog. <laughs> uh, okay. 
So we have Bishop's great defensive team, offense slowly coming along. Uh, X, we all know, you just went, mentioned all the powerful players they have. Uh, so the AUS is out there. It's really, I, I don't think Mount A has a chance in this game. Their offense has been yeah. too inconsistent all year. Uh, and even when they've played Bishops, that defense has just suffocated them. So I, I really think it's just a two-dog show. Yeah. And even at that, Bishops is a distant second. Yeah, uh, I, I think Bishops should and will move on. Absolutely. And I think, you know what, I, I think they will play X well. I, I have full faith in Bear Miles' ability to scheme and coach and put players in the right position, make successful plays. But I, I just think there's too much. Yeah, and then uh, let's go to the team that they will be playing in the national semifinals, uh, the winner of Can West. We've got a lot of games out in Can West, Connor. Lots to sort out. In the province of Saskatchewan. And this is what I wanted to kind of talk about today. Look at the top two seeds, Saskatchewan Huskies, Regina Rams. Look at the last couple Canada Cups. Who has dominated the Canada Cup over the last four or five years? Quebec and Saskatchewan, always at the top. So the Saskatchewan Huskies and Regina Rams have said, let's build homegrown. Yep. It looks like it's working. (laughs) I I mean, I don't know how many of our Ontario or like Eastern Canada listeners pay attention to the CJFL, but it is a different breed of football out West. Like the CJFL have, out have West. The Prairie Conference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it is that strong. Uh, whereas Ontario, we have a massive conference for us. And then it's like the Prairies and the Pacific. So there's a ton out there. Uh, and certainly it's like the Sage up uh, for RSAC as well. They can kind of tap into. Yeah. But Huskies hosting the Manitoba Bisons. Uh, Des Catelier, all-time passing leader for the Manitoba Bisons after I honestly think he's played seven years. Uh, <laughs> Hats off to him, though. Hey, that's always, always the all-time. Uh, they've got some big play options. Yeah. But to me, Connor, that's what Manitoba is. Big plays or bust. Yeah. And if Saskatchewan can limit those plays with Catley Joseph, Charlie Ringland, some of these strong, long defensive backs that we know they have. I, I think that this game is going to really slant towards the Huskies and Mason Nice is just going to take care of the rest offensively. Yeah, I love everything you said. And that's kind of to me how Manitoba has won. I won't say all, but a lot of their games this year. It's been big plays for chunk yardage, get downfield, and kind of outrace some of the other teams. They're not going to be able to outrace Saskatchewan in this one not at all and it's crazy to me with Saskatchewan you mentioned all the playmakers they have on the back end but man their DBs just turn over it's insane we got Nelson we had Nelson the combo Josh Haggerty another turning over to the guys that they have now uh offensively Mason Nias call him what you will top three I don't care where you rank him top three quarterback in the nation he's doing great things with that offense this year Came on to our podcast, self-scattered himself, and said, hey, I threw That was during the COVID year, too. Yeah. He said, I need to take care of the damn ball. Well, Mason, you've you taken care it. of the damn ball this year. Good and Lord. he's looking to go to his second straight national semifinal. They can win the Hardy Cup. They could do so at home uh, again. So the other game, though, Regina Rams, UBC T-Birds. I think this one has the makings to be a really strong game. Uh, yeah. 
For me, though, the difference maker, not Isaiah Knight. It's not Pelletier. It's Anthony Bennett, the defensive lineman for the Regina Rams. If he can control the point of attack, he can single-handedly. I know it's a team defense, but he is such a game changer that he can single-handedly keep Knight and the pass game contained inside the box. Well, I think that's what Regina's defense has done really, really well this year is they contain. It's not like they – I mean, you just mentioned Anthony Bennett, but it's not like they have a ton of stars, quote-unquote stars, on, on their defensive side of the ball. But they play as a unit, and they really take care and take away what you as an offense are trying to do. I think that they're going to do a good job of taking away Isaiah Knight in this game. Uh, I'm curious to see how UBC is going to throw the ball and how Regina is going to defend that on the back end. I know they've gotten into a little bit of trouble when teams start ripping the ball around the field, but to their credit, they've got guys like Riley Boardsman that can go downfield and get them too. Absolutely. I, <laughs> we mentioned Riley Borsma. Uh, I'm just checking now, Connor, to make sure he still does not have a touchdown on the year. Uh, <laughs> I, it's wild to me that he can be such a, a game changer. Receiver. 34 receptions on the, on the year. Uh, so he's top 10 in the country for that, but zero touchdowns. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I like Regina in this game. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot for UBC to come off, uh, off the plane, go into a good environment at Mosaic and make a, make a difference. A little side note here, Connor, before we move on, on Anthony Bennett, 10 and a half TFLs <laughs> for good the season. Lord. Out of his 25 and a half total tackles, 10 and a half of those are for a loss. Uh, so that's just... That's what I mean when I'm saying he's going to make a difference yeah. uh, in this run game. So it could be all Saskatchewan all the time in the Hardy Cup. Uh, let's go to the RSAC, Connor. Laval, Concordia. Concordia's got a good offense uh, with Olivier Waugh slinging the ball around. They, they can put up a ton of points like we saw them do against McGill. Uh, but when it comes to Laval, my guy, Arnaud Desjardins. Kevin Mittal as well. I mean, this Connor, do, do we need to talk about the touchdowns again with Kevin Mittal? Because it's, no, it's but let's do it. Uh, receiving touchdowns 12 on the year, averaging 93.9 yards a game. So he's going for a hundred and a touchdown plus every game, one and a half touchdowns a game. It's, it's ridiculous. And even if you try to take him away, which nobody's been able to do yet, they still have a plethora of other weapons. And let's not forget that Arnaud Desjardins can make plays by himself. This man has a set of legs on him. He will go. This is the Glenn Constantine revenge tour, Connor. There's nothing else that I need to say about this Laval team. They're going to they're gonna handle their business this week. I, I think uh, so. I expect that we'll, uh, we'll see them in the national semifinal. I've yeah. been on this for a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, it, I, I think so too. And you said my guy, Arnaud Desjardins. Yeah, you, you get that claim all to yourself because it <laughs> took some convincing uh, for you to, to get me on your side. But yeah, looking at Concordia in this one, what you said about them being able to put up points rings true, but they put up points against McGill. They put up points against Sherbrooke. And so it's good this year, but they're not putting up points against teams like Laval. And let's... Let's give the top 10 credit. They have finally got Laval. 
as the number two team in the country. Guess what? We get 1v2, assuming that the top seeds all win out. We will get 1v2 or, well, if Western loses to Queens, then it would be 1v2 again with Laval Queens. Wow, um, taking his picks early. If no, Western no, no, loses no, no. to Queens, he says. I said if, because I have to hedge. <laughs> I can't just say we're going to get 1v2. Uh, but no, I like this is this is going to be a good matchup yeah. uh, for Laval. It's going to be a good warm-up to to see where their defense is at, get it all fine-tuned as they head into the Dunsmore Cup. Yeah. The other yeah. matchup, though, this one's a tricky one. Is it? Is it? I, I don't think, think so. that happens twice. Obviously, we're talking about Montreal-Sherbrooke here. But Sherbrooke has only beaten Montreal when they play them at home. They have to travel to Montreal, and they are not playing uh, at Sepsum this year. We have, we were, uh, I got a message last week from someone that said, uh, like, just kind of reminding us. Um, but I could have swore I saw Sepsum earlier in the year on a, like, on a U-Sports game sheet. So I, uh, I apologize for saying that they're not going up the hill. So it's not as daunting of a task, which is why I'm kind of saying, like, can Sherbrooke pull this off again? Their defense has the formula for it. Yeah, yeah, they do. But I still, I don't know. I'm not saying it's not going to be close. I'm just saying I don't think that a team like Montreal lets that happen twice. Now, this is not the Montreal team of years past. It really isn't. This is a much more th- – this seems to be an RSEC conference with much more parity this year, which I love. But I still think that Montreal is a dominant number two team in that conference. Uh, Sherbrooke, I'm sure they'll have some opportunities to keep it close, but it's a playoff game. It's a situation that Montreal has been in. They've got guys that have been there. They've got guys that have won in these playoff games hosted Saskatchewan last year, right? So they have that playoff experience. They know what it takes to get to and move on from the Dunsmore Cup. Sherbrooke, for me, doesn't. Not that that should matter, but I think it's a fact. They're just not as complete of a team, I think. Yeah. And I know Anthony Robichaud has played well, but Montreal's quarterback is a step above that. You look at the run games. I'll take Bertrand Bowley. He hasn't had the volume of carries, but we know what he can do on the ground. Um and, of course, the defensive front for the caravan, Connie. You can't go against Duds. your guys. Studs all over the place. And welcome in to the OUA preview. We have two weeks left of action. Connor's Ottawa GGs escaped with the win last week. They're heading to Kingston. Are we going to that one? Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> Laurier is traveling to Western. So we have not seen Laurier play the Mustangs since week two. Teams have evolved since then. Ottawa and Queens played that weird lightning delay game uh, earlier this season. Week two as well. well. I believe it was week two as well. So we're going to get a look at some teams much different than what we saw earlier in the year. And to me, that's all you can ask for, right? You get highly competitive games, highly competitive teams who have seen each other, but at the same time are completely different. It's not like they played in week eight and nine and now all of a sudden they're matching up two weeks later. No, no. And, and that especially rings true for Laurier in this one because, yes, it was week two, but Laurier had that awful week one by at the start of the year. So their <laughs> week one, quote-unquote week one, was their first game in week two against the Western Mustangs. And since then, we've only seen growth from those Laurier Golden Hawks. So let's start there, Connor, because with Western, 
that defense didn't get a look at Laurie's offense. They had to look at 2021 film, but now they have a whole season and they've had the bye and Gleason and the Bible that he's famed for producing each week to his team will have a ton of more relevant tendencies, information, formation packages, uh, personnel groupings that they use. So I, I think with Western, we're going to see this defense. I know we always talk about Hillock, the run game, uh, the plethora of weapons he has at receiver. But I think it's time for this Western defense to remind everyone we're still here. We are still a dominant force, like we have been all year. I think Bruce Moss has been helping do that a little bit for the Western Mustangs. Maybe a little bit. Just a tad. Uh, they got a ton of guys on the back end as well, like Robert Panabaker, Danny Valenti yeah. Jr., who had a two and two sports interceptions. <laughs> I, I believe they finished as one and two. Uh, so I, I'm really looking at this Western defense to take advantage of some mistakes that Laurie may have. I mean, we saw uh, Algersma has had his turnovers this year. Quentin Scott and Taron Elms have both put the ball on the ground. Five fumbles, uh, five lost this season. They were better last week against Carlton. Yep. But I, I still think that Western is going to push people into making some bad decisions. Yeah, and that's what they're so good at on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you got guys up front, like we mentioned, Bruce Moss, who can mix it up, be that mess-to-play-up type of guy who's not necessarily – and, yes, he does show up on the stat sheet, stat sheet, so don't mix up what I'm saying here. But it, it, there's instances where he's not necessarily getting the tackle, getting the TFL, getting the sack, but he's doing something where you know he's driving the center into the running lane and forcing Nelms to bounce – or he's driving the center back into the face of Algerzma, and then Algerzma throws an errant pass that's picked off, right? So I think that Western's defensive line does things like that very, very well. And the other guy that I really want to highlight on the Western defense is Finley. Jackson Finley. I know. Yeah. I, I really like him. Uh, for Bruce Moss, though, Connor, he's not getting Deontay Knight numbers, which is what I think you're getting at. He still has six and a half sacks yeah. on the year, a sneaky six and a half. They are. Um, but when you look at the, the sheer volume of numbers that Knight put up in their Vanier run in 21, you kind of like, I don't know, you always get, it's like uh, with Queens, we expected them to, like, oh my God, how are they going to ever replace Anthony Federico? Well, Silas oh, Hubert has six true. sacks and he's, he's a monster, <laughs> but because these guys aren't hitting the same gigantic numbers as their predecessors, People aren't really talking about them as much, but they are huge playmakers for their teams. Yeah, and they will be and continue to be huge playmakers, I think, next season as well. But let's talk about the, the Golden Hawks in this one. I don't think, I mean, if you want, we can spend some time on the Western offense at the, at the end of this little run here. But I think we've talked enough this season about what they do, how they do it. Obviously, we know Evan Hillock, 16 touchdowns, no interceptions. That's absolutely massive. You're not turning the ball over when you're putting it in the air. He has not thrown an interception this season. And I will say going back to, I guess I said I wasn't going to spend some time, but now I am. I will say going back to that first game against Laurier, and I know it was week two, but he threw 15 passes for 200 yards and four touchdowns. Mm -hmm. That was showing. Yeah. Uh, okay. With Laurier, I want to talk about two things. Well, three things. Ethan Jordan, Raiden Thorne. And because of that, Taylor Elgersma. Because this is where I know they're going to, be going to really dive into the run game. But, Connor, to me, that's where this offense takes the next step, elevates themselves to compete for a Yates Cup. And that's when Jordan 
and Raiden Thorne can make plays. They are so athletic. And whether it's a rail shot or it's a, a quick screen or a slant to help beat a plus one like we saw in the Battle of Waterloo, these guys can take it the distance. Uh, and that's so, so, so important when you're playing a team like Western. You need a cheap score where you can just kind of dump it off or get a chunk play uh, and flip the field because you don't know how many times you can drive the field consistently. So to grab that quick action uh, and those quick points is vital for this Golden Hawks team. I like what you said, because it kind of lends itself to my next point here, which Laurier has the team and the playmakers that match up almost identically to the Western Mustangs. Like the way Laurier attacks the game, the way Laurier has played football this year, it is the closest representation to the Western Mustangs that I have seen this season. You got two backs in the backfield that can make big plays. You got a quarterback with a big arm that can shoot it down the field. You got wide receivers all over the field that can make plays at every single level. To me, it's, are they going to play mistake-free football? That's what it comes down to. And Connor, let's go to the other game now. Ottawa at Queens. Run game on run game. Uh, We may get to see James Keenan back from his lower body injury this week. Uh, but if not, Alex Freakin's been fine. He's shown yeah. exactly what we all thought he was as a recruit, uh, a great, calm presence who can take shot plays, hit throws at every level, and he's athletic enough to run. So I, I think with Keenan or Freakin, this Queens team is going to be fine offensively, especially with their running backs, because they don't just have one or two or three uh, Jerry Yen Longa, uh, Anthony Souls are all weapons in the backfield. All have proven to make plays, all prove that they can drop a shoulder and keep going, catch the ball out of the backfield, get into the end zone. Um, yeah, Queens, Queens offensively, again, like they don't have the star running back like Rashid Tucker, but they have three running backs that can all do different things to attack you offensively and all execute in different ways that as a defense will keep you on your heels. And then when you look at what they're doing in the past game, I mean, we talked about Alex Freak in a little bit and should he be in the game? He had the one game where he tried to force a lot of things and that caused some errors. But since then mm-hmm. it just is smooth, not forcing things calm. Like you said, making the right reads, but you need the playmakers. If you're going to play that style, you need the playmakers that Queens has on the outside to get down the field, get into the end zone. When Vreekin's throwing the ball downfield, when he opens it up, he's putting the ball in places where it allows his receivers to go get the ball and make a play. He's keeping it away from the hands of the DBs. I really like how he attacks the air. And let's talk about the GGs. Is it JP Simonkinda and a very tough defense? Or is Ben Miracle going to be able to make the throws? Because we know Queens is going to stuff the run. Uh, they held Adam Williams under five yards of carry, which I know if you're listening from the American point of view, like five yards of carry, that's great. Two downs to get the 10. Uh, so the four yards of carry was huge for uh, Queens because it kept Toronto in second and long. Can they do the same with J.P. Simmons? That'll be the main question. How does Queens handle J.P. Simmons? We know Ottawa is going to run the ball. Their offense seemingly runs through Simikinda. But the other thing that I want to look at, and you touched on Ben Merkel making the throws. When, when Merkel's on, 
he's on. He's firing. He's making plays, getting his receivers downfield, deep shots to Oladejo, deep shots to Gendron. Like he has the ability to push the ball when the pocket's clean. And that is going to be paramount against these Queens Gales who finished the season with 23 sacks, second to only the Western Mustangs. Are they going to keep Ben clean? Are they going to let him kind of move around, shift in the pocket, make those plays with his arm? It's, it's really going to come down to the, the play of the line on both sides of the ball. Are they going to be able to stop Queens's defense? Is Queens's defense going to be able to force Ben into throwing some bad passes? And do we have to say the names again? Because when he does make those bad passes, they are damn good at converting those into turnovers. Ashton Miller, Melanson, Keegan Vanek, Ethan Martin, Eric Colonna, uh, Walter Karabin at middle linebacker. I mean, these guys have playmakers all throughout their defense and they get their hands on the ball early and often in games. The one thing I will say about this Ottawa team as a whole offensively, and they showed this last week against Windsor, when they got into a hole, they have the talent to battle through that adversity. They have the talent and the poise and the confidence to be a resilient group. They went down against Windsor at home and came back and won the game. Now I know it took an absolutely massive play from their defense, but still it was the adversity that they've fought through. Exactly. So I I just, when Ottawa gets down, I, I think they do have the mindset that, Hey, yeah, we're down, but we're not out. I want to see them carry that into this Queens game. Should they find themselves in a situation where they're down early or late? whatever it may be. And if you're in the Kingston area or the greater London area, head to the stadiums. Uh, Richardson was packed last week with home homecoming, a ton of different alumni uh, years coming into the stadium. I was talking to uh, the coaches at U of T. I said to Bob Mully, like we've, I've known him for a long time. Oh, he's Uh, been our coach for years. (laughs) I said, were you guys able to stay downtown or did you guys have to go up by the division? He said, we couldn't get a hotel, period. So we went and stayed in Gann. I was like, really? I said, well, yeah, we had to book it late with homecoming. We had no choice. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if it's going to be that same extent for Ottawa as they come in this week, but I expect the game to be uh, a pretty good crowd. And in London as well, they're gearing up. They think they're going to be hosting the Yates and the Vanier. So that city and that stadium is getting ready to rock each week until someone is crowned Yates Cup champion. I will say two of the historically two of the toughest places to go in and try to win a game at Queens. Absolutely. So if you can't make it though, OUA.TV free to sign up live and on demand. You can go check out the games from yesteryear and last week. And I believe they even have some classics up, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you can go back if you really want to dive into the rabbit hole and go watch previous years, previous games. Uh, but do so at OUA.TV. For Connor and I, at Wade Zank, at Connor O'Neill, at CF Perspective, we'll see you guys when we have two teams standing. Next time you see us, we'll be recapping it and we will be getting ready for the Yates Cup. I'm excited. I am excited. All right. cool bet time we're not going yet we've got lines to pick connor we've talked these games quick one hitters what you're looking for and who you're taking we're going to start out in the aus okay mount a plus seven and a half bishops gators at home who you taking bishops 
seven and a half. Give it to me. I think, you know, we touched on everything. Defensive dogs. Bishops minus seven and a half is the play here. Going into the RSEC now, Connor, Concordia Stingers plus 27 and a half, heading to Laval to face Glenn Constantine, Arnaud Desjardins, and Kevin Mittal. I don't know, man. This one still gives me a little bit of pause. 27 and a half is huge. And yes, I know it's the Laval Rouge or this season, but I think I'm still going to take Concordia to cover. I think Laval is going to win this, no question, but I think it's going to be like a 21 point win, 25 point win. 20, like four touchdowns. You're essentially picking them to win by four touchdowns. I am picking them to win by four touchdowns. Oh my gosh. Glenn Constantine, the Glenn Constantine revenge tour starts now. The regular season's over. That doesn't matter to him. He's going to make a statement this game and say, we are the Kings. Come and take it from us. And they're going to do so with a dominant defensive performance. Arnaud Desjardins is going to get his flowers. But this game is about the defense and how they stop Olivier Wall, one of the better pure passers in the country. I don't know, man. I, 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 okay. Okay. All right. Sherbrooke plus eight and a half at the Montreal Caravan. This one I feel a little bit more confident with. I'm taking the Montreal Caravan. I do not think that Sherbrooke is going to do what they did to them twice. They're not going to top the Caravan twice. On the other side, Connor, I think that the Sherbrooke defense has laid out how to handle this Montreal Caravan's offense. But they got a lot of help with turnovers last week or last time they played. I think that Montreal handles themselves better in this game. They take care of the football. And because of that, I'm going with Caravan as well, minus eight and a half. I'm going to start on the far end of Ontario, well, I guess far, far away from us. I'm going to start on the far end of Ontario. I'm going to London. This line's massive, man. 26 and a half point favorites, the Western Mustangs over the Laurier Golden Hawks. That's essentially a four touchdown win for Western over Laurier, who gave the roadmap to every other team this year on how to play Western. Just nobody else could execute it. And yeah, sure. It was week two, but it was still a relatively close game. It was only a one touchdown game going into the half. So I'm going to take Laurier in this one to cover like Western outright. I don't think anybody would argue with me on that one, but I think Laurier is going to cover this one. I think they're going to play some damn good football. All right. (sighs) Call me crazy. You're doing it again. I just, I got burnt last week from Queens getting some late scores, pushed the game out of hand. Now, I'm going to stick with the Laurie Golden Hawks, uh, barely. If this game moves down to, like, 24, Western. Uh, but I think the turnovers are going to be the biggest thing in this game. I feel like they're going to force Laurie into some bad situations, and that is why I'm having so much uh, difficulty taking Laurie at plus 26 now. But I will because it, they are a much better team than that. I agree with you there. If the turnover battle gets out of hand in favor of – of Western, i.e. Western's making all the turnovers. Well, Western doesn't going... put the ball on the ground. They don't put it in the other team's hands. They just score or punt. That's what I mean. <laughs> if Western can start taking the ball away and they've got three, four turnovers against Laurier in this one, it'll be lights out. And they will cover that 26 and a half. Queens minus 12 and a half against the Ottawa GGs. I'm picking against... My alma mater. Uh, smart man. I think Queens has the recipe, 
has the stuff, has the talent in all phases of the game to be able to limit the damage from JP. I'm not saying that JP Simikinda isn't going to go off. Sure, if he goes off, that's fine. But one back is not going to beat 12 guys. And you're just think, hedging your bet. So if your alma mater wins, then you're happy. But if they lose, you're also happy, aren't you? Well, <laughs> no, I, I'm with you on Queens. And regardless of who we get at quarterback, Keenan or Vreekin, I feel like they're just going to take advantage of this Ottawa defense who just gave up 40 points to the Windsor Lancers. Uh, 33, if you want to count the pick six. Um, still, 30 points to Windsor. I'm going to take Queens to grind out this game. Uh, their counter game is going to start hitting and expect some shots early. They open the game. I've seen Coach Schneider do this a handful of games now where the first play out of the gate is a chunk play, a shot. Last time it was a rail against Carlton early in the year. It was a post. Uh, I've seen it. I think we saw it uh, last year as well. Uh early on in the season against Guelph. So expect Queens to take a shot early and try and put this game to bed. Why not? Why not catch a defense sleeping a little bit early in the game? Nobody's expecting you to try a 40-yard bomb on the first play of the game. Except everyone that watches this video now. Sorry, Coach Schneider. It's just a little tiny <laughs> TFC. Uh, <laughs> He's not going to let you back in the stadium now. No, he, he, he won't. Uh, <laughs> Saskatchewan Huskies minus 21 and a half against Manitoba. Give me Sask. Give I'm with you. The Saskatchewan Huskies. Manitoba's sneaky in these playoff games, Connor. Remember a couple years ago when Calgary made their run, Manitoba forced them uh, into an overtime game. Uh, Hail Mary deflected backwards. Uh, Calgary had practiced against that. My thing with that, though, is this is not the Brock Gallenlock, Macho Bakru, Manitoba Bisons of years past. No, this is Des Catelier still there, and A.K. Gasama as well taking plays off the top of the defense. Uh, I think that Manitoba, like we've talked about, uh, they can they can stretch the field so well, but it's either home runs or no runs. And a look at that World <laughs> Series tie-in. Uh, so I'm going with the Huskies as well. They're going to control the game offensively. Uh, other game, UBC Tiber at the Regina Rams minus nine for the home squad in gold and green. I think this is going to be one of the tighter playoff matchups of the weekend. I would take Regina Moneyline, but I think it's going to be like a six-point game. Like, I, I think this could easily be a field goal-type game, maybe even overtime push-type game. Um, I think it's going to be close. Taking Regina to win by uh, almost two scores in this one feels a little bit a little bit too much, but especially considering what UBC is, what they've done, the weapons they have. Like, I think that they have the weapons to run with Regina in this one. And I'm going with the T-Birds as well. Plus nine is too much for me. Uh, this T-Birds team has shown a lot of grit. Uh, so I'm going with them. Connor, that's it for this week. If you want to get in on the lines, head to coolbet.ca. I'm just looking at the updated Vanier lines. Laval's still plus 675. Get in on just, it. Just saying, everyone. Uh, so head over there. Get in on the action. You can hit all these game lines, over-unders, money lines. Uh, they have it all for you, sports. I'll be bringing back wage wagers as well for the CFL this week as we are into meaningful games. So stay tuned for that.